Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There is big news in the journalism world. The magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting, which produces the podcast Reveal, will be merging. Based in the Bay Area, both news organizations work on a nonprofit model and are known for their deep reporting. They share a long and collaborative history and have done joint stories in the past. We'll talk to the leaders of both news outlets about their plans and what the merger means for local and national journalism at a time when our industry is in shambles. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. As a business, journalism has been in a bad place for many years. Unlike the days when daily newspapers and magazines were big and booming, there's no clear path to a sustainable model to support investigative reporting. That's led to a torrent of experimentation, especially in nonprofit journalism. Two leading lights, organizations that have succeeded in doing the work of our field and sustaining themselves financially are Mother Jones, the magazine, and the Center for Investigative Reporting, which produces the fantastic podcast Reveal. So when we heard that they were merging, We wanted to have on their leaders to talk about the challenges that our field faces, as well as the solutions that they found individually and what they hope to do together. We're joined this morning by Robert Rosenthal, CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting, the nonprofit investigative news organization. Welcome, Robert. Welcome. Uh, Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for being on. Yeah. We're also joined by Claire Jeffrey, editor in chief of Mother Jones, San Francisco based magazine, of course. Welcome, Clara. Thanks so much for having me, Alexis. And we're joined by Al Letson, the host of Reveal, which is a radio show and podcast from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. Welcome, Al. Alexis, good morning. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Robert, news peg first. Why a merger now? Well, the, the uh, this is 
an optimal time with all the chaos in the media landscape, as well as obviously nonprofit journalism. And really, this is a a marriage between two institutions that have really been part of the Bay Area and each of us for nearly 50 years. Uh, we've worked together in the past multiple times. And really what you're creating here with this merger, the true multi-platform news organization that can reach a very large and diverse audience across, you know, through the magazine, through our reveal, uh, through our documentaries, a very active website that Mother Jones has. And the pieces really fit together. And I believe this will be a much more sustainable model because of the muscle, really, and the muscle memory that Mother Jones has around a really diverse a revenue model, not beyond mm -hmm. philanthropic support. Yeah. And the, I have no doubt uh, about the quality of the work we're doing and the potential impact of it. But really, what's also very attractive here is the ability to be a, be a much more consistent, sustainable news organization. Yeah. Clara, would you call this merger more sort of offensive than defensive? Like, do you do this now while you're not distressed, or are there things on the horizon that made this important to do, you know, right now? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I think that for, for, you know, we've been long collaborators with CIR and Reveal and, you know, have said over the years, you know, wouldn't it make sense if we kind of teamed up more, more elaborately, more formally? Um, but I think it's in this moment where you see the revenue models for journalism kind of coming attack under attack from every angle, particularly the way that um, social media platforms, which once, you know, briefly sent a ton of traffic and therefore kind of buoyed the ad uh, mm -hmm. revenue that that organizations faced, um, have now basically cut that offer down. And so it's important for journalism organizations to build their own distribution system. We both have them, but combined, it's like the chocolate and peanut butter of investigative <laughs> journalism. We will now really be able to take our stories and put it out, you know, in print, online, you know, in short social video, in long form radio documentary, in, you know, sometimes even in long form film documentary. So it's really allows us to tell the story in all kinds of ways and meet all kinds of audiences where they live. Yeah. You know, Claire, for those who aren't familiar, could you give us a little pocket history of Mother Jones, you know, kind of founded as part of the great countercultural magazine boom here in the Bay Area? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways the the, the foundation of both these institutions um, have the same impetus, really, which is the sort of post-Watergate push for account accountability and journalism um, in particular, um, you know, why, why let Bob Woodward um, and uh, uh, Carl Bernstein <laughs> have all the fun? Everybody wanted in on the action. Um, and I think it was a recognition, you know, right around that same time was when, you know, kind of NPR got founded that that there needed, again, in a different way that uh, just the daily newspaper model and just broadcast television was not um, was not sufficient to the to the charge. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. And, and Mother Jones has been based in San Francisco, um, for its whole history. Although we have, you know, big, uh, bureaus in New York and DC and have, you know, been pretty much a, uh, national organization for quite some time on a staff basis. Yeah. You know, the one part, uh, you, you left out there is that you all have been able to make this kind of digital transition. I mean, all the different internets that have existed and uh, ways of, of getting news distributed, you all have kind of managed to continue to surf on all these different waves. Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, I, you know, it's an incredibly uh, 
fun piece of trivia that Mother Jones is the first uh, general interest magazine to have a website like <laughs> way, way back then before Wired or anybody kind of came along. Um, and we ha- we made a big transition in our model about 10 years ago when we saw the rise of digital media and also thought, you know what, it's like a freelance uh, supply of journalism for investigative journalism is not a great model. Mm. Um, you know, you just can't follow up on stories the same way if you ha- as you can if you have a lot more staff journalists. So we, we made a big switch um, about a decade ago to, to really invest into digital and to invest in staff writers. Mm. Um, Robert, tell us uh, a little more about CIR's history. CIR was founded in 77 uh, by Dan Noyes, uh, Lowell Bergman, and David Weir, Bay Area journalists. And as Claire described, it really was a sort of counterculture idea. And, and its early history, uh, it did many long-form, terrific investigations. And a wonderful piece of trivia is one of the early membership perks for Mother Jones in the early 80s was a book called Raising Help, which was a compilation of long-form CIR investigations. Mm-hmm. But it all the years... Also frequently partnered with 60 Minutes and Frontline. And when I arrived in 2008, uh, the organization was not thriving exactly, but I had a clear vision, I guess, of what I wanted to do. And simply put, as I came from newspaper world, was in investigative reporting, there is so much information you don't use. So we were going to create an organization where at the center of everything we did was the story, all that information. And if you think about a wheel at every spoke, and every spoke would be a way, a different way to tell the story, sort of embracing the technology. So we grew into radio and podcast, video, we did animations, coloring books for kids, you name it. But it's really, in a sense, repurposing all that information to reach large and diverse audiences the way they wanted to get their information. Yeah. You know, um, Al Letson, host Reveal, I want to bring you into this conversation. It feels to me, just from the outside, that reveal has transformed CAR, not so much in the type of deep journalism that was happening that Robert's been describing, but in the change in the kind of distribution of the journalism. Yeah, I think when uh, when I came to CIR and reveal uh, almost a well, it is a decade ago now, uh, CIR was uh, moving in a different direction. Uh, and I, I, I remember really early on, uh, Rosie and I uh, uh, had a conversation. He took me to lunch, probably my first week working uh, on the pilots for Reveal. And he asked me if I thought it was going to work, uh, like, because he, he didn't know much about uh, radio at the time. And I was You're like, like don't no. know what to tell you, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told him I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> I, told him, I told him, like, uh, I think it's an ambitious idea and I, I, I don't know how you do it. Um, but we figured it out, you know. We 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 figured out how to uh, how to tell really deep investigative journalism stories uh, every week, and um, I think the fact that we were able to do that began to shift the organization more towards uh, the audio uh, and also video as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that in order for CIR to survive, because um, this is this is such a brutal uh, atmosphere that we're in, and it has mm-hmm. been for a very long time. And I think in order for uh, CIR to survive, we had to shift a little bit, and uh, and Reveal was a, a big part of that shift. Yeah. Al, you know, I, I noticed that in the announcement of the merger, you know, Robert 
describe the kind of journalism that CIR and Mother Jones do as ethical, fact-checked, investigative journalism. And I was just thinking about you all because there are so many sort of like true crime podcasts, which almost like play act as investigative journalism. Yeah. yeah. How, how would you see what Reveal does as, you know, different from, from one of those? Well, uh, we are definitely not true crime. Uh, I think that like what we try to do is we try to go behind the stories and show you how America uh, actually works. Uh, and I also think like a big uh, proponent, uh, component, excuse me, a big component of, of what we do, uh, is that we want to hold somebody accountable. I think, you know, true crime just wants to thrill you. And if that's your thing, it's, it's cool, but, uh, that's not what we do. And that's not what we'll ever do as, as long as I'm the host, mm-hmm. um, that we want to dive into, uh, telling people, you know, we, we literally want to reveal how things work behind the closed doors and hold people accountable, uh, when they are doing wrong to the public or, or even just to uh, individuals. Yeah. Um, Claire Jeffrey, you're going to be the com- editor-in-chief of the combined entity here. I mean, is, quote, ethical, fact-checked, investigative journalism, is that kind of going to be the guiding sort of North Star for this org? Yeah, I mean, that's always been um, what we've practiced. And, um, you know, I think it it's a... a new- a challenge that both these organizations have taken very seriously. Um, when you tell those kind of complicated, you know, accountability journalism stories that that we both tell and that we'll be telling together, um, you, you you know you can't wing it. You you gotta you gotta have the you gotta have the goods and you gotta be able to show your work. And that's something that's uh, always been really important to both these organizations, and that will certainly not change. Yeah. But I mean, like the each of those specific words kind of seems like it's trying to counter a bad trend out there in the world. Right. Like you're not saying, you know, uh, fair and balanced. You know, you're not saying some other combination of words that's supposed to mean something ethical and fact checked. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, I think it really is important to show your work. um, And we do that all the time, whether it's publishing the databases that that, you know, fuel some investigations or, you know, being very clear about our sourcing um, and, you know, and and going through an immense, really, Mm -hmm. a very immense legal and fact checking process for the work that we do. And I know that that's true of Reveal as well. Um, so, you know, that's just incredibly important to, yeah. to investigative journalism in particular. We're talking about the merger of two journalism powerhouses, both uh, based here in the Bay, the magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting with its hit podcast Reveal. Joined by Claire Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of Mother Jones, Robert Rosenthal, CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting, and Al Letson, host of Reveal, radio show and podcast from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the merger of two journalism powerhouses, magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting, which, of course, produces the hit podcast Reveal, joined by Reveal's host, Al Letson, Claire Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of Mother Jones, and Robert Rosenthal, CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting. You know, Claire, we've really been in a tremendously bad place as an industry. We don't really have... Uh, a lot of answers. So like, where do you place the blame for the precarious state of the journalism business? Um, Well, I think, I think the business, our industry itself um, was slow to react to the rise of, of digital and then social media platforms and um, was too accommodating. I think in, you know, the, the, the organizations that, Facebook or whomever deemed to partner with thought that they could kind of ride these partnerships to greater glory. A lot of them are gone now. (laughs) Um, And basically, I think the platforms kind of suckered um, uh, news organizations into thinking that they would help fund journalism. They're not. They're taking all the ad dollars. um, They're turning off audiences, um, you know, on a whim. And, you know, if you go to if you go to uh, particularly Facebook, um, for example, you're not guaranteed, even if you follow Reveal or you follow Mother Jones and you re- and you follow a bunch of us on staff and you really want to see our journalism, uh, they've arranged the algorithm so you just see less news, even news that you want to see. Um, and so that is certainly one problem. We were slow to react. Um, we were too accommodating or too docile. Um, and, you know, and I think historically even before that a big problem that we face all of us is that because advertising underwrote so much of journalism Mm -hmm. readers got used to getting it for free um and they are still kind of resentful if things are not free um now in public media uh we have all um done our bit uh be it nonprofit journalism or public radio to sort of you know, have our pledge drives and kind of drive home the, the the need for support. But just as an overall industry, that's a real problem. And it's a problem we're still combating. Think of how much people pay for cable television versus how much they pay for journalism. You know, they're yeah. both good. They're both fun. There's some journalism in cable television. But, uh, you know, journalists yeah. need to eat. We want to hear from you. I mean, what questions do you have about investigative journalism or what areas do you think that investigative journalism specifically needs to focus on? You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. You can find us on the aforementioned social channels where we have also been suckered at KQED Forum. Or you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You know, Al, one of the, 
complex things about being in this field is that even though even if we have the analysis that Clara does that the social platforms do not have our best interests in mind as um, journalistic organizations, we're still sort of stuck. Like people still get your podcast, you know, through Apple Podcasts or they get it through Spotify or whatever. Um, so how have you tried to manage the um, complexities of working with these kind of big, uh, beastly platforms? Well, uh, fortunately, because uh, I'm the host, I just have to have the pretty voice. <laughs> so there, there are other people that tackle those big, uh, those big questions. I think that uh, you know the 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 big issue when it comes to the different platforms, whether it's uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, or wherever else people get their uh, podcasts, is that the uh, the polyp- proliferation of podcasts like there's mm-hmm. just so many out there and uh, and some of them are great and some of them are not so great but uh trying to kind of break out and uh and get ears uh is a struggle um i think you know as far as like dealing with the actual platforms and and uh and models of revenue when it comes to that i, I really don't handle that stuff mm-hmm. so but i can just speak to the idea of you know, I've been podcasting for a really long time, like before they were calling it podcasting. I remember one day at a party, someone told me I should podcast my radio show. And I was like, I, I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what is a podcast? <laughs> uh, I found out later that I was actually doing podcasting. We just didn't call it that. But um, I would say that, you know, uh, in the podcast industry, we had a big boom. We had like when um, when Serial uh, Season 1 mm-hmm. came out. Everybody and their mom got into podcasting because Serial was such a big hit and advertisers went extremely hard in uh, into the podcast industry and it created uh, a bubble and we're now seeing that bubble pop and, cha- uh, you know, organizations that do podcasts are definitely being challenged, which is why like this. Uh, this merger with Mother Jones was uh, important uh, for reveal um, because you you can no longer just do a great podcast and think you're going to be able to survive mm. uh, in this market with as many uh, you know competition like and it's not even really competition it's just like having um, you can only put so many minutes in your ears exactly you know? <laughs> exactly so uh so yeah it's it's a it's a complicated equation but i think that uh what the leaders of uh cir and um uh, mother jones have done is just really smart yeah um robert uh, i guess this one falls to you then i mean it feels like a lot of the things that were supposed to save journalism you know first like just div- digital advertising replacing you know lost print revenue and then you know pivot to video, which obviously didn't work for a lot of people. It's kind of a Facebook phenomenon. Now we've got vertical video and doing things there. And we've also got, of course, the the pivot to podcasts that uh, we're also hearing Al describe. Um, what do you think? <laughs> like, uh, it does feel like every time there is a perspective uh, savior for us on a, on a revenue basis that too many people pile in. Um, is there a way to get around that in this new partnership? Well, I think that for us, again, and, and I'll frame it differently, our goal is not profit, which is a big, you know, huge differentiator. And I came from the for-profit corporate journalism world where everything was driven by profit and there was really a cultural divide between what I call the creative side, the newsroom, and the business side. And there's nothing wrong with making money, but when money absolutely and profit trumps everything, what newspapers did is eviscerate their newsrooms and kill the thing that everybody wanted, which was content. 
So the paywall model, you know, for big news organizations seems to be generating revenue. But again, we're a public service news organization. And I think the, the, the revenue comes from people who understand the role of the president democracy, you know, how it defends democracy and protects it. And as we heard in the lead in, you know, journalists are the only profession in the world besides law enforcement and the military who are targeted, killed, beaten, arrested, et cetera, because of the work they do. So for me, it's a calling. And I think the people who support us and support Mother Jones and other nonprofits, whether they're big institutional foundations or individuals, really understand the role of of the press mm -hmm. and really what we do in a society. So that's really where we have to go. Mm -hmm. And as Al alluded to earlier, you know, our goal is is change, is impact, and informing uh, the public, and hopefully holding you know powerful interests accountable yeah. in a way that's not you know, goes across the board. So I, I think that's really it's a passion and mission driven business or organization, especially in the nonprofit space where yeah. it's really public service. Yeah. And if I can just add to that, I mean, I think that something that Rosie alluded to is that, you know, there's a huge push to, to putting up paywalls now. And I totally get it. You've got to pay your employees that revenue from other things has gone away. Um, if you don't have a nonprofit model, you know, your your basically earned revenue is is your only source of income. Um, but that said, you know, it it makes me nervous in this time of incredible disinformation and the rise of fascism in this country, frankly, mm -hmm. that there's not more good, well curated, well documented journalism out there that everybody can read, whether or not they're a subscriber. So mm -hmm. all of us are in a really tricky place where we need to fund the journalism that we do. We have to, we obviously have to do that. Um, but, but, you know, for democracy, we need more, more journalism available to more people on more channels without barriers. Um, and that's, uh, that's not what we're seeing the direction of many places going right now. So what do you think the sustainable model for the combined, you know, Mother Jones, CIR will look like? What's the pie chart, you know, individual donations? You guys have like 50,000 donors, right? You're going to have the grants, which CIR has been very good at getting from, you know, philanthropic sources. You're going to have advertising. You're going to have sales and stuff. Like, what? what's that look like? That's right. We have a we we at Mother Jones have have already had a, a, a good mix of revenue, and that's been very intentional. Um, but now with Reveal, we're diversifying even further. So, um, you know, that all the things that you just said, we have subs, we have ads, we have, you know, small dollar donors, big dollar donors, foundations, which, you know, Reveal has been particularly uh, good at getting. And now we have a totally, as a combined organization, have this great, you know, very big digital uh, audio audience, um, whether it's on terrestrial radio or or via the podcast that Reveal you know, reaches, you know, millions of people every month. So um, all together, you know, we wish the ad rates for all those things were higher than they are at the moment. Um, but we can also directly appeal to all these different kinds of audiences to help support the journalism that they care about. Yeah. You know, I also, I, I read this in the announcement and I just want to hear more about it. Um, Rosie or, or Clara, whoever wants to take this one on. You all have secured an additional $21 million in funding commitments over the next three years to implement the merger. And I'm just wondering, where's the money come from? And well, let's start there. Where's the money come from? Well, I can jump in. And I also want to give a shout out to Monica Berline, who's the CEO of Mother Jones, who's not, wasn't able to join this morning, who's been a superb 
partner to me uh, during this process, somebody I really trust and have grown to respect. Uh, but she and I, with our development teams, uh, you know, did secure the pledges up till now, and we're obviously <laughs> working on more. And they came from institutional funders, foundations, uh, as well as individual donors, and our boards have really stepped up. Uh, and obviously, we have to raise additional money. Uh, but that's really the focus of that 21 million uh, institutional donors have supported journalism and board our board members and also some individuals outside the organizations who really believe in what we do. And just quickly, I want to add one other platform. We haven't mentioned some of the films we've done at CIR, which also across platforms have been long form text stories. Victim Suspect, which is on Netflix. There was a reveal episode. There was a documentary Victim Suspect, its first week on Netflix, I think it had 7 million viewing hours uh, available and also a long form text story that appeared on Mother Jones' website. So that's, again, an example, a really specific one of a of diverse content flow from one key investigation. Yeah. You know, I'm interested, Rosie, though, um, there is outside of journalists convening a couple weeks ago talking with documentary film people and basically what al was saying is happening in podcasts where there's just kind of too much um that same thing seems to be happening specifically in documentary film and then specifically on the streaming services around documentary film and so there a lot of them are pulling back um is that what you're seeing and like if so you know do you do you move to a different distribution strategy like how do you work with that well i think an asset that we have and like absolutely accurate there's a, a lot but the, the, the people who work with us or the streaming platforms, what they really embrace is the rigor, again, of the investigative reporting. And, and that victim suspect really follows one of our reporters, Ray de Leon, through the process of a very in-depth, painful and powerful investigation. It's, it's sort of like a verite, spot version of Spotlight. So what they really, what we bring that's different is the rigor we've been discussing this morning, the fact-checking, and the ability to maybe do something with a lot of <laughs> fact-checking and legal review mm -hmm. that you would do in, a, in another kind of uh, documentary. Yeah. Um, I want to bring in a caller here, uh, Fred in San Francisco. Welcome. Hi. Um, my comment or question is about the guest perspective on what's happening currently in Gaza and the West Bank, particularly the amount of open source information that's coming out uh, from people on the ground and also the impact on Palestinian journalists who are risking their lives to report what's happening. Yeah. Hey, uh, Fred, appreciate that question. You know, probably one of the most difficult reporting uh, setups that you could imagine. Um, Robert, do you want to talk about that first? Sure. Uh, well, I was a foreign correspondent in, in the Middle East in the 80s. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Beirut and uh, in the Middle East, especially Beirut. Uh, I think it's absolute horror. I think that what's changed completely, I think about when I was in Beirut or covering wars, et cetera, when I was a foreign correspondent, you had no, no Internet. I mean, there were times, literally, you got a story out 24 hours later or 36 hours. I remember the era of... The networks putting their film and photographers in a little mesh bag like you buy potatoes in going to the airport and hope they could get somebody and give them a 50 dollars bill to bring it to paris and drop off with a guy who would be on a motorcycle who would take it to their office so delay 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 now it's instant and it's immediate 
There's no question journalists expose themselves to risk. And I think the open source information both brings you to the moment and some of it is misleading and some of it is accurate and it's really complicated and and changed the flow and speed of information obviously have altered things in a way that have changed everything in terms of how we communicate and absorb information. And you're brought to the horror of war immediately. And it is a horror. And uh, I just, you know, in terms of how it affects us, it's real time. It's traumatic uh, and influences your point of view completely. And and the fact that journalists are targeted, I find appalling. Mm -hmm. And yet every journalist who's working there understands the risk. So they wouldn't Mm -hmm. be there. And... uh, yeah, Claire, do you want to do you want to chime in on this one? Yeah, I think you know, of course, it's important a what's happening there, and b that um, there's incredibly limited access from the world press. Um, Palestinian journalists who are already there are doing a noble job covering things, um, and there is a lot of you know citizen journalism, et cetera, kind of videos getting out and that kind of thing. But I think when you when you have an information space that's so vital and so fraught, so politically fraught, and of course fraught on a personal safety level, um, it really underlines the the need to have um, journalism that that is open and is um, mm. able to be kind of documented in real time. Like I think, just aside from Gaza, one of the things that I think is is happening um, to our society right now is the rise of social video, which you know I love. We do a lot of it. We do good work mm-hmm. there. There's a lot of great stuff, but there's also a lot of stuff that is outright intentional disinformation or sort of mm-hmm. skewed or misconstrued mm-hmm. or whatever. And honestly, I think it's going to be an enormous factor in this election. Um, uh, and and I don't think that even the media has really wrestled with what it means and how we go about assessing it and either participating in it or counterbalancing it, depending. Right, because there's a whole spectrum, right, from outright disinformation put out by whoever um, all the way through just kind of misunderstanding or, like, truthiness (laughs) um, to people just, like, not knowing what they're talking about, right, but being really good at the sort of social part of uh, of this sort of medium. Yes, I mean as as the kids would say, people who have the riz and <laughs> um can can sell a, a narrative line and maybe that narrative line is totally true or maybe it's as true as they know it. You know, there's just so many varieties, but you also need um organizations that are, you know, more uh based in kind of fact checking and those traditions to kind of come in and sort through some of this and explain mm-hmm. to people, be it the history of a region or, you know, an event that's happening. Yeah. We're talking about the merger of two local journalism powerhouses, the magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting. We've got the editor of Mother Jones, Claire Jeffrey. We've also got Robert Rosenthal, CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting, as well as outlets and host of Reveal, the radio show and podcast that we all know and love. Uh, what questions do you have about journalism in this moment? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786, or you can email us forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the merger of the magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting, both based here in the Bay, joined by Al Letson, who hosts CIR's podcast Reveal, also a project of PRX as well. We're also joined by uh, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Jones, Clara Jeffrey, and the CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting, uh, Robert Rosenthal. Uh, listener Art writes in to say, kudos to Al Letson and Reveal, CIR, and Mother Jones for producing outstanding investigative journalism. My question is, what is the most important priority for your journalism in 2024, considering the many problems we face in this country? The problem I am most concerned about is impending fascism, Art writes. What do you think your journalism can do to help as many members of the public as possible understand the degree of the threat and what we as citizens can do about it? Um, obviously a very big question. Let's give the first chunk of it to Al. Yeah, I would say uh, the number one thing that we can do is uh, add context to uh, the stories that you, you hear in the news. I would uh, like to go back to the earlier caller who was talking about uh, Gaza and mm-hmm. just plug the fact that Reveal has a new episode out that, that kind of tackles that, that, that tackles like what's happening in Gaza and um, but more along the lines of looking at like how families are dealing with it, both in mm-hmm. Israel uh, and in Palestine, and how uh, how it's affecting college campuses across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think reporting like that, where we get to the heart of the story, but also try to give context to the story, uh, is uh, is is really what what both organizations do really well. When I think about the future and the the challenges uh, that are coming up, we've got an an election that's coming up. And um, I just think that, you know, one of my big priorities this year is to keep, you know, my eyes trained and locked on democracy and how, um, you know, as Clara said, like we are we are in a very scary place as a country. Um, And I think that the best thing that we can do is give people context to understand it um, and really get to the bottom of it and, and, and be truth tellers, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, and so that's that, that I think is like the, the thing that I am keeping my eye on, but like, I don't control the whole newsroom, yeah, um, yeah. but these are the things that I'm thinking of. Well, Claire, let's, let's go to you. I mean, I think many of us are thinking about how we stay trained and locked on democracy, right? I think a lot, lot of people in journalism feel like journalism is you know, both uh, dependent on democracy, but also uh, a key part of upholding it. But how do we do that? Like, what are the, what are the components, uh, particularly in an investigative journalism context, that help that project? I mean, I think it's such an enormous threat that we face right now, and there are, there are kind of many different components of it. Um, one thing that I think that we just have to be 
really uh, focused on and that that we have been is um, understanding the forces of different disinformation, the motives, mm. the profits, the 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 methodology, the the role that um, useful idiots can play, and by that I you know I mean you know sometimes platform. You mean the technical term, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes people, but um, you know there and and I think w- another thing that we're really facing right now is is people are so burnt out on the bad news and the discord of the last seven and eight years that. You know, there's a sort of LOL, nothing matters um, mm. instinct, mm-hmm. but but also just people have pulled back from news in the past two years. You mm. see that kind of across the board. And I get it. I mean, <laughs> if you swim in it all the time, it's um, it's sometimes not fun. But um, but I think one of the things we need to do is really explain is explain to people um, different audiences using these different types of uh, information delivery systems to to get them motivated and to get them engaged and um, and that works differently for different people and that's um, but that's why having a multi-platform news organization I think really positions us well well for the challenge ahead yeah uh, another listener writes in to say do you find that people are less willing to devote the time and energy to read long-form stories these days? How are you wrangling an audience for in-depth reporting when social media seems to be pulling people in all directions? And Robert, let's go to you first. Well, I, I, I think time, obviously, and, and the way we consume information in little tiny bites is real. But I think one of the – I've also found in my experience that a well-told, long-form, narrative-driven, character-driven – story holds people whether it's you hear it you see it you read it yeah and i think another element uh you know clearly we are going to do and have done is what i call chunking it up (laughs) taking those big long-form pieces and make it accessible in different ways whether it's on a social platform instagram tiktok which mother jones does very well or in short form video and bites and i think we have to do our long-form work and investigation but make it much more accessible in smaller pieces and if you do it right, I believe you, you lead people back into the longer context and story. It's almost like bait. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things we're going to really focus on. And one, I just want to add a quick thought on the, the, the extremes in our country now are extreme. You're not going to move them, in my opinion. Uh, but I think, you know, what Reveal can do especially, and Mother Jones does with the national subscription basis, is reach the middle. And, and people who are really thinking and aware, and they will make the difference in this election, not the extremes. And we really have to be quick on our feet and nimble to address that. And, and I find the power of reveal and hearing and listening to voices you might not normally hear, maybe working towards solutions or hope is really going to be important mm-hmm. also at a time where we're all you know, living with a lot of dread. Yeah. Yeah. Alexis, I, I, I just wanted to follow up on that, that question as well uh, and just you know, double down on what Rosie said, because I agree with him. I I think that like our job as journalists is that like we have to reach people where they are. And so whatever that means, you have to figure out how to take that story and and package it in a way that it's going to grab ears and eyes. And uh, so in order to do that, like you have to think about like, how are you going to tell this type of thing in, in TikTok? How are you you know, uh, utilizing YouTube, all of these different tools around you in order to kind of break through. And then hopefully those tools will bring people back to the long form journalism. I mean, Reveal and Mother Jones has 
you know, pretty strong audiences, like on the print side and and, and on the radio side. So it's not like long form uh, long form investigative journalism um, is dead and people don't want to hear it. I think that that's not true. I think mm-hmm. what what's true is that we need to find new ways to grow the audience. Um, and I think that Mother Jones does that exceptionally well. And I think, you know, the other thing when it comes to, uh, like, specifically with the reveal, because I can speak to that very directly, is that, you know, we're looking for stories that move us as individuals. Because if it moves us as individuals and journalists, it's going to move you. Um, again, I keep thinking about the, the episode that we currently have out about the, the conflict in Gaza. And I spoke to uh, an organization of... Um, you know, in order to join this organization in in uh, the Middle East, you would have to have lost a loved one to the mm-hmm. the conflict between uh, Israelis and you know Hamas. And like talking to parents on both sides who had lost their children mm-hmm. uh, was absolutely heartbreaking for me. And my hope is that like that is a bridge into people like hearing and beginning to understand things um, deeper than what's reported Mm -hmm. like in other places. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think for us, it's about like getting those stories that really grab you, speak factual truth to you, give context uh, to everything that's going around you. And then we're going to go where you are and hopefully bring you to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To to the point of needing to build a a media organization that can, uh, reach people. We've got a question from uh, Francesco in San Rafael. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm just curious. Branding matters. So, what will the new organization be called? Are you taking one name, the other? Is it a pastiche? Is it something completely new? Yeah. Personally, I like kind of truth in advertising. So, if you decide to just Center for Investigative Reporting tells you exactly what it is you guys do. <laughs> yeah, um, let me let me yeah, answer that. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Claire. So, so first of all, um, Reveal and Mother Jones are both beloved brands by their audiences, and those those brands will remain intact. But uh, Francesco was on to something. Um, each of us have a five hundred one c three that's like the the actual thing that runs the business. Um, Ours will be the surviving one, but we're taking the Center for Investigative Reporting as its name because, as he rightfully identified, it's a much better, much more descriptive name of the work that we will do together and and also um, with some uh, hope for the future and ambitions for the future where we want to do more with other um, nonprofit media in particular mm. to collaborate with them, to amplify their work, and even to support you know, to offer some business support in some cases. So that's sort of a, you know, year two, three kind of part of it. But um, but those will be the names. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, well, one, one sec on that. You know, listener writes in to say, Mother Jones and CAR tend to focus on big national stories. Is there a path to partner with local outlets? That seems like it's the path, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think we both have partnered with local outfits for sure. Um, but we will continue to do that, um, of course. Yeah, one of the benefits is of, of we've both done over the years is, is really elevating small local news organization stories, but also the ability, you know, Reveal is heard on over 550 public media stations. So we have a network and we have certainly concepts around that. And just to clarify on the caller, the, the 
the Center for Investigative Reporting sort of will be the umbrella name, but, you know, make clear that Mother Jones Magazine, Reveal, CIR Studios, those brands will survive. Yeah. Um, one more, I guess I would call this, it's not quite a branding question. Claire, this one's for you. Listener writes in to say, I have always viewed Mother Jones as a very progressive magazine. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but does having such a strong point of view change how people perceive its investigations? I sometimes read the articles wondering if they start with a thesis and set out to prove that thesis versus taking the story to where the investigation takes them. Uh, no, I mean, we're we're led by the facts and our interest in stories, just like any any other journalism organization. And, um, you know, honestly, that the... the kind of work that we do, the kind of work that CIR does is is not all that is not all that different in sort of intent um, than any, you know, the New York Times or whomever. It's uh it's really like what are the stories that we find interesting that we want to tell? Now we don't have to cover everything. We're not the paper of record. Um, so we do get to pick and choose, but we tend to to pick stories that we think where we have the greatest chance of impact, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, is a, a shared uh, value b- between both these organizations and certainly one that will continue into the future. Yeah. Here's a different um, different line of questioning here. You know, in our world, uh, that is to say journalism, I feel like the New York Times has become this kind of outsized player in a way that it was not or has not been uh, throughout my whole career. Robert, as someone who started his career at the Times and worked for a bunch of the big papers that competed with the Times, you know, in the glory days, I mean, what do you make of the the role of the Times right now? Well, I think the Times has always held that place, you know, it's a big national newspaper with the most resources, and uh, certainly that's how it saw itself. Uh, it is outsized, but I think the reality is there's so much more journalism in a way done at a local level that, I mean, in terms of nonprofits that have been created, they're all struggling, and news desks exist. The Times is the Times. It does have a national reach. It is outsized, and it's and its own issues right now about how it's perceived politically or reflecting the whole the landscape of media. But when you have a newsroom with 12 or 1400 people and whatever their numbers, you're definitely mm-hmm. going to make a difference. And I, I don't think that's going to change. Uh, it tends to break stories and sorry for the dog, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's not going to change. And it yeah. is out. Well, let me, Claire, let me ask you this as someone who has, um, you, you know, I think what I'm thinking about, which is they've been gobbling up people locally. They've been gobbling up people nationally as, as journalists, hiring, hiring folks. Um, they also, you know, just the dynamics of the, of the Internet tend to have these kind of rock star economics where just a few places end up being very successful. And it feels like the Times has navigated their way on a financial level to that kind of place. I mean, does that does that worry you at all that there's, you know, there's like one enormous paper and then there's a bunch of much, much, much smaller orgs? I think what worries me is just that it's not a healthy ecosystem. Um, I mean, the Times, you know, is great. I'm glad it's doing well. Um, I wish some of the other papers were doing better. I don't think it's super healthy to have, you know, one 800 pound gorilla for just all the institutional reasons that mm-hmm. we know. I'm, uh, you know, we don't need to, but, but, but I think more, but also the times, uh, can only get so big presumably. And, and it's a circulatory system, um, in journalism where people kind of come to the paper, maybe from smaller places, maybe when they were, you know, earlier in their career or whatever, but we're losing everything, but 
a few big places and a mm-hmm. and a smattering of tiny local places. Like the it, everything in the middle is sort of yep. mostly disappearing, Hollowed and out. that's unhealthy. I mean, is that partially what's behind this merger, right? Like you feel like you need to get bigger or you get a lot, lot, lot smaller? I, I think uh, in, the, in the sense that we need to, to reach more audiences, we need to um, – different kinds of audiences via different methods, yes. And I do think it's healthier to be bigger. And also, you know, I, I don't know if what we're doing and what some other places have done is going to uh, herald some more consolidation, but – just on this, you know, we we are friends with a lot of small local nonprofits. It's really tough to like run your email newsletter and your you know mm-hmm. HR and all these things. It's just with a tiny tiny staff, it's not it's not super efficient. Um, so maybe there will be more consolidation. Yeah. Robert, too, I mean, I know you all have been involved in the philanthropic world for a long time as well. And I, what those funders seem to like to do is to kind of like plant a seed. They like to give funding to the initial thing. But like operational funding going forward has always been like much trickier in this space. Yes, it's a fickle business. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the opportunity here not only is in the journalism, but as I said earlier, Mother Jones has a much more sophisticated and muscular, what I call infrastructure around sustainability, whether it's membership, earned revenue, than CIR really has ever had. So that also is very appealing to me. And I do think some of the sizzle around this merger, especially here in the Bay Area, we hope really generates additional support. And uh, whether it's in membership, individual donors, potential earned revenue. So that we can't forget that. This is really not only a journalistic play, but hopefully a model that others can follow in this space and that we can help and share what we're learning to help others survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Claire, another listener writes in, what's the best way for us media consumers to support this new organization? You can go on to uh, either of our sites, and uh, there's a prominent donate button. Um, <laughs> so I think I think that is certainly we have a, a, a fundraising drive based around the merger up on our site right now. So that's one way. But I think you know journalism wants to be shared, needs to be shared, and I think you know even just passing along stories that you see with a personal recommendation to your friends. This is how we all grow audiences, and those audiences ultimately uh, translate uh, into some revenue. Yeah. We've been talking about the merger of two journalism powerhouses, both housed here in the Bay, the magazine Mother Jones and the Center for Investigative Reporting. We have been jo- joined by Claire Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of Mother Jones. It's going to be the editor-in-chief of this future combined entity. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Clara. Thank you so much, Alexis. We've also been joined by Robert Rosenthal, CEO of the Center for Investigative Reporting. Thank you so much for joining us, Robert. Thank you, Alexis. And of course, we've also had fellow radio man Al Letson, host of Reveal radio show and podcast from the Center for Investigative Reporting, as well as PRX. Thanks so much for joining us, Al. My man, thank you so much for having me. This is Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of the show just ahead.
Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.